welcome to the Golden Rock Podcast. I'm Ben. As always, I'm joined by fellow Pokemon enthusiast, Connie, who I've just surprised as he's drinking his brew. Anyway, we're here to bring you some of the latest and greatest Pokemon news and a few laughs along the way. This week, we're discussing Pokemon's plans to keep the franchise alive for hundreds of years, as well as early previews of Pokemon Scarlet and Violet's second piece of DLC, the Indigo Disc. As always, you can jump to a topic using the timestamps in the description below. Connor, how are things over on your end this week? Doing really well, mate. Doing really, really well. I um, invested in a new bit of kit for myself. So oh. you're talking about how you've just got your new camera. Mine is not so much for streaming as much as just other things. I bought, I bought myself a new lens. Oh, very nice. Ooh, so okay. I went out in Cardiff uh, a couple of weeks ago and I took my camera out and I went and did some photography and I realized I wasn't getting quite as much reach as I'd like. So mm. I put myself a nice new telephoto lens and I've been messing around with that. And as with all new things, it comes with a new skill set that I've had to learn. Oh, really? Okay. So, yeah, so try- go on, t- tell me a bit, a bit about this skill well, set then. So I've been trying to work out autofocus, which sounds really backwards because it's autofocus. Surely it should do it yep. automatically. Um, but when you're doing, for instance, I was out uh, taking pictures of Marley, my dog, and he's a fast moving critter. And you've got to try and make sure that he's in focus and you're always getting him in focus and nothing else around him in focus, which requires you to use less pixels for the focus sensor. And then you've got to move it around the screen. And it's just, it's, it's been a little bit of a faff. Plus I run a GH5, which has never been known for its good autofocus anyway. So learning all that kind of stuff has been interesting to say. The has least. it been fun though? Oh, yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. And again, it's, you've known me for long enough now, you know, I kind of get off on this stuff. <laughs> learning new <laughs> skills and just, te- just techie nature. I'm I'm all about it. Yeah, I see. I I have previously owned a DSLR with a couple of lenses, and I even did a nighttime uh, six week course at my local college just to learn a little bit more about it. And I know the bare basics, but it's one of those skill sets where, like, there's a reason people can turn it from a hobby into being paid for it because there is it isn't just a buy a fancy camera, buy a fancy lens and click and profit. It is literally a case of, no, you have to put time and energy into learning your piece of kit. All the like the ISOs and the aperture and all, all these technical terms that I, I know the terms. I couldn't tell you what they mean though. Um, and there's a reason why, you know, wedding photographers can, you know, event photographers can charge as much as they want because if you want, you know, good photos. You you're not just paying for this the equipment. You're paying for the skill set as well. Yeah, you're paying for all the years it took to learn that. Is the way I try and sell it to people. But like, even yeah. you know, as streamers who go, "Oh, I'm going to buy a new camera. My setup's going to look better." And it's like, eh, no, not necessarily. You can buy a new camera, and unfortunately, it means you've got to learn a lot more. Yeah, your phone will probably do you better than a new camera will. Honestly, like my, um, I uh, treated myself to a new iPhone earlier on this year because I hadn't bought one in, I think, four or five years. Like it, it was on its last legs, like the battery just conking out. And I was, at, because I'd skipped several generations, I was absolutely blown away by the, the quality, the absolute detail mm-hmm. 
on the camera to the point where part of me thought to myself, oh, I could have just used this rather than buying an actual camera. But then you've got the annoyance of having to, you know, you're without your phone for a bit and there's the risk of overheating and stuff like that. Um, but yeah, I, the, the, whenever you buy a new piece of tech, usually, like, like we were talking about, it's you plug it in and you will see a improvement but there's still time and effort that you have to put into getting the right settings uh, we've had many conversations about like the the shore mics that we use mm-hmm. where for the longest time i just was not happy with the audio quality i was getting because for the most part yeah you can plug it in and it sounds all right but there's a lot that you have to learn and do and of course you know, YouTube tutorials are fantastic, but they all start with, this works for me, it works for my room, it won't work exactly the same for you, and you have to tweak and you have to mess with it. And, like, there's a, there's a lot that goes into, yeah, just just getting the best out of, out of anything. And you have to understand it all properly yep. so that you can get it right. So, yeah. Yep. I don't know why yep. we got onto that topic, but there you go. How no are idea, you, buddy? Well, How's life? I- I'm all right. Yeah, I am. Uh, so as of today, so as of listening to this, uh, I was telling Connor before we started recording, I have finished my current job after five years. I'm, I'm not going full time YouTube. Not yet, at least. Um, but I am looking forward to starting a new job uh, the week after next. Um, so this week coming up, I'm planning on relaxing resting um filming some youtube content editing some youtube content as well um and just yeah just trying to wind down a little bit but not wind down too much otherwise i'll probably get ill which is typically what happens whenever i finish a job take a holiday. I, t- I take a holiday my, my, my body just goes yeah it's time to shut down no i don't want to shut down i just want to rest no no we're, sh- we're shutting down we're resetting to factory settings and then i become ill so hopefully that won't happen Shall we jump into the question that we've had following last week? I think we probably should. Last week's conversation where we definitively ranked every single Pokemon game. And uh, I think we said in the video, like, that's it. Like, until a new Pokemon game comes out, we're never. This this, this is just what. That's it. That's that's the perfect version. Yeah. I mean, uh, we we will never, ever change our opinions, ever. That's not going to happen. No, um, no. Any new game comes out, just slots into there perfectly and doesn't rearrange our thoughts or make our. And you know, as nostalgia creeps in on older games, mm. we don't we don't rate mm. them higher. That's not how that works. And anyone that disagreed with us, I would say that they are biased. And again, nostalgia played a part in what they said. We we are we the, can't make you be right, guys. It's not our fault. No, we can't. <laughs> we, we you know we we don't want to be the gatekeepers of this, but we were chosen by you know pokemon divinity itself anyway one of the questions we had on that episode uh was courtesy of of tony regular listener if you were a champion what region would you be the independent champion of so you've got to conquer a region and what would your team be but you have to include a signature pseudo Mm, okay so i'm gonna cheat a little bit and say i would be champion of the indigo league because that's the one where you get to be champion of two regions. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. That makes uh, the most sense. I like that. Signature pseudo. I'd love to pick one of the non-dragons. I think Titar is the only pseudo that doesn't have any representation. 
What, what do you mean that uh, isn't part So, dragon? for instance, you've got... All the pseudos are in the Elite Four. Except from Titar. Dragonite, Lance uses. Uh, Salamance, Drake uses. Metagross, Steven uses. Uh, Gen 4 is... I always forget Gen 4. I should know Gen 4. Let's do a Gen 4. Someone's going to be shouting at me right now. Scorchomp, yeah, Cynthia. Uh, Gen 5 isn't Haxorus. Gen 5 is... Um, High Dragon. And it's not in the Elite Four, but it is used by uh, Getsis. Yeah, okay. Gen 6, uh, Gudra. Is mm-hmm. Gudra used in the Elite Four? Ooh, I don't it's, know, actually. Oh, does the champion oh. use it? I think the champion no, used... No, no. No? Because oh, yeah, Gardevoir is a race, because they, they go from Megas, don't they? They do. Ooh, maybe does, Gudra does then. Drampa, does Drampa... Uh, is it, no, not Drampa. What, uh, what's the female dragon? Dragapult. Oh. No, the female, no, no, the dragon. female dragon Elite Four member in um, Carlos. Oh, um, I know what you're saying. Drasna. Uh, yeah. Um, yeah. I don't know. Let's have a look. Don't know if it's Drasnit. been so long since I've played those games. Yeah, I know, right. Gen 7, I don't know that well. Gen 7 is one of the weakest in my... She has... No, a Noivern, a Altaria, a Drodagon, and a Dragalgy. Oh, so, so Gudra no. isn't represented. Okay. Gen 7, I have completed Gen 7. The Elite Four, I think, once, maybe twice, and I cannot... I know there's a golfing lady... Yeah, I'm sure there. somebody has. Somebody <laughs> definitely has a Kamoa in that. Must do, surely. Gen eight, um, Leon uses Dragapult. Uh, Gen nine, uh, a pseudo Gen nine. I'm being stupid now. I know I'm being stupid. Uh, it's uh, Backscalibur, which is also it is used, used by, by the yep. Dragon user. Yep, 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 yep. So most of them have some representation. So you you sticking with Tyrannosaur? Um, yeah, I think Titar, okay. and then you can set up a sand team. And then, you oh. know, we're talking about making our gym leaders and our elite four more competitively viable than just, I have a type. I think I would probably make a sand team. Um, lots of things with sand rush. So you can run a Titar, you can run Excadrill. Weirdly enough, I'm pretty sure, um, not Herdier. What's what's the final evolution? Stoutland has like sand rush, mm-hmm. so that could be actually, good fun. Yeah. Okay, that could be good fun. I think I'd run something like a Craydilly in there, just for some stockiness. I love, Cray- love Craydilly; it's so underrated. It's great. Yeah, I th- I think you could you could have a lot of fun with a T-Tar based sand team, mm-hmm. and mm-hmm. it means as well that you lead with your ace, which yeah. people just aren't prepared for. Unlike Gen 9, where the, <laughs> the Elite Four member's ace that has toxic debris is the last progress. What are you doing? Start with yeah, your ace. You can't, can't be <sighs> helped. But yes, definitely Johto, because Johto and Kanto. Yeah, I, I, I Plus, I never, liked, I never liked Lance as a Johto champion. No, he, I think he works as the last member of the Elite Four. He doesn't work as a champion for me, unfortunately. He, he's... Yeah. he's for me, a champion should be a champion should be, oh, I used a mixed team, and this is the culmination of your adventure and where you've put it all together. You've figured out the Pokemon, the typings, the weaknesses, the items, the abilities, and you go, okay, I'm going to beat a team to beat probably 
the only diverse team in the game because most players don't have diverse teams. They, you know, mm. they have maybe one or two that might be different typings, but they only use one or two and you've got a full team of six. So the, like, the, the champion for me should be somebody that uses a div- diverse team. In terms of, I, I would just make mine up full of favorites. It might not win me a lot of fights, but, you know, Met- Metagross, um, Meganium, Swampert, they're probably my three favorite Pokemon. So they would they would all easily slot into that team. I've got I've got a I don't know why I've got a massive soft spot for Kingdra as well. I and I think it's mainly because in the first time you see it in Gen two is Claire using it and you're like oh what is this like they've taken Cedra and made it even better. It's a typing that up until Gen six, literally the only weakness it had was. Dragon, because obviously, yeah, because water Dragon Water is I've, a phenomenal typing. Yeah, it's it's absolutely busted. So I'd probably have that on the team, even though I've already got a water type. Um, I'd, I, you know, if I'm the champion, I like to think I'm traveling a lot, so I'd want some kind of flying Pokemon so I can get about. Um, so you know, I don't. I'm trying to think. Is is there a flying Pokemon? You know what? I'll go for Talonflame because I need a fire type in there as well. So you know, try and pad out some of those. Um those um different typings and then i i really want you know god of war is such a good psychic fairy pokemon that yeah i'd throw that in there as well there you go there, there's my team of six have gone for not really a strategy but diversity yeah sounds good if you've got a comment or question, you can reach us by leaving a comment on our podcast on YouTube, by emailing goldenrodpod at gmail.com, by leaving it on our Discord channel, or by using the hashtag goldenrodpodter on Twitter. Let's move on to the first bit of, of news this week, where the Pokemon COO, uh, Yutsomiya, has said that in an interview that they have plans to keep Pokemon, the Pokemon franchise alive for hundreds of years. Now, if you haven't seen or read the actual article that was on The Guardian, you might have just had a couple of things pulled out, which, which are mainly, you know... Uh, this person's job, they, they get to spend all day thinking about Pokemon, and the goal is to keep Pokemon alive for hundreds of years, making sure it survives well past their lifetime. So that's that's a quote that I've kind of reworded there. Um, however, if you actually go into the article a bit more, it's a fascinating insight, I think, into the Pokemon company's thoughts around its audience i.e the people that not just play the games but anyone that's kind of has an interest in pokemon and for me it is one of the things what one of the things that's mentioned is is about how in the past they had two separate audiences younger kids and and adults which i i do believe it's kind of pokemon is transcend transcended where it used to be predominantly kids and then the kids grew up into adults. So there's kids and adults. And now you've got families, which are, you know, multiple generations of a family playing together, much like me and my daughter do. We are doing a lot on Pokemon Go at the moment where we're going for walks and playing together and joining up in parties and doing raids together. So they're, they're definitely right there. Um, but one of the key things that I think that they talk about 
is about how they're going to what what are they going to do to ensure the survivability of pokemon moving forward and for me what they're saying in this article doesn't match up with the headline that i've seen a few times of we're going to keep it going for hundreds of years because what they're saying in the article i don't think will help them to survive a hundred years okay do you want to break down exactly what it is that you've seen in there that's made you think that yeah sure um so um it, I'm, I'm trying to pull out the the key bits without just going into the the quotes here but i might just go into the quotes if that's all right um it's easy to just focus on adults they have a lot of disposable income you can see their reactions in real time on social media but we need to make sure that we are still keeping the younger kids interested kids are very honest they won't play something they don't like if your brand feels old or boring they will immediately dismiss it now that one stands out to me because they're talking about okay we don't want pokemon to feel old or boring but the games have recycled the same core elements with minor changes here or there for so long that I don't think kids will find it old or boring because kids, I imagine, will play a couple of generations and then they grow up, they grow out of Pokemon. And the new children that appear that grow up, go, oh, I'm going to start on Generation 9, whereas, you know, previous generations started. Like, every every child has a generation that's there first. I think in terms of feeling old or boring, that is something that applies to the adults. Because a lot of the criticisms we're getting for the later generations are, yeah, it's, it's the same old. And that's why Legends Arcus felt like such a breath of fresh air. Because it wasn't the same old or boring stuff. It was like, here's Pokemon, but in a new way to play it. So what I think they're referring to when they're talking about kids finding things old or boring, it's that idea that kids won't watch 2D animated shows. Kids won't play pixel games because, well, that's old. It's the same as we wouldn't watch Mm. black and white shows growing up. Now, obviously, Mm -hmm. we look back and go, okay, these are some of the best things available to us. Some of these films are amazing. But as a kid, it just felt old, so you didn't touch it. So I think that's what they're talking about when it's saying we don't want it to feel old and boring. Now, you're talking about mechanics not changing. I don't think that's so much of a big deal for them, because especially if you're talking about kids, right? What's, what's, What's the most popular game amongst kids? It's Fortnite. It's Fortnite, okay? Now, Fortnite, granted, it has changed a lot. Over the years, it's. I think they don't really do building mechanics anymore, do they? As you much? Can't, you, there are different game modes now. So there is the building okay. game mode and non-building game mode. But from what I've seen as a purely outsider, is it's a lot of skins. It's yeah. a lot of the same game with a new coat of paint. And sure, you'll have Goku in there who can cast a Kamehameha, but it's just a long-distance attack. That's all it is. And they'll throw jetpacks in there. But, like, that's just an extended jump. So it's, nothing has really changed, but it's just, the the flavors, the flavors have been updated. Mm. And as long as you just keep throwing, quote unquote, new things at the screen, they'll be fine with it. Which, for Pokemon, it's the Pokemon. As long as you keep throwing new Pokemon, the kids will stay interested. And you can't say it doesn't work because we're still here nearly 30 years later. 
True. True. And that ties in, actually, with one of the other uh, uh, quote, quotes uh, in the article. I do think we can continue to create lots and lots of new Pokemon, and really, uh, we must create more appealing Pokemon if we want to continue passing on Pokemon to the next generations. Um, so, uh, and, uh, you know, I'll say the next part as well. Coming up with new Pokemon ideas is an area that Game Freak really excels in. Now, I'd agree. I, I'd agree with that. So when they from when they say Pokemon ideas, I don't think they mean the gameplay. Mm-hmm. They mean literally, literally, they mean Pokemon. Like, oh, new generation, we're going to create you know a hundred odd new pocket monsters. Here are the designs, the abilities, the moves, the evolutions, all you know the Pokedex entries. I, I think they're very good at that. The the, yeah. the building We've- of Pokemon. We've said before that the reason Pokemon succeeds where others fail is because Pokemon, they are so phenomenally well designed. Mm-hmm. They, they, they really are. Like the, any other monster catching game, there might be one or two that stand out, but a lot of the time they just feel safe or yeah. too close to what some of Pokemon's designs are. Um, and I, I, and I think, already I, has, uh, to an extent, perfected. Yeah, yeah. And I think he is—he's he's right there that you know their ability, Game Freak's ability, to create lots and lots of new Pokemon. And there's a reason why every generation, you know, they they release loads of new Pokemon, and everyone's got a favorite. The new generation and the plushies sell out because people really, oh, I love that Pokemon. I'm going to go out and, and and buy buy the plushies. But I think. One thing that I would love to have seen in this article is actually a little bit of holding up your hands as to how you stop Pokemon from going stale. And I don't think they touch on that enough. There's this promise of we're going to last 100 years and they kind of hint at different things such as, you know, trying to keep people entertained with the new Pokemon. But for me, I want to... Like, Pokemon is more than just... The the Pokemon games are more than just the pocket monsters, the Pokemon that are in it. And for me, it's, you know, that the gameplay mechanics, the exploration, um, the characters, the music, and there's elements of that that have been a bit lackluster in the last couple of generations. And what I'd love to see is, you know, an article that, that is a bit more honest about yeah we we admit there are things that we want to do things that we want to explore and things that we're excited about and it doesn't have to open that they don't have to open themselves up to criticism because the criticism's there and they even acknowledge that they apparently keep themselves aware of the criticism but you know, there's a, there's a quote in here that says, um, there, um, where is it? Regardless of whether we respond publicly, we're always paying very close attention to the feedback and conversations happening in the communities. There are certain aspects where we can't always be 100% aligned, on which I, I do agree. You should never 100% align yourself with your customers. Because they don't know what they want anyway, they, so it's fine. They don't know what they want anyway. And um, uh, yeah, so we can't always be 100% aligned with the parts the community uh, are asking for and what we want to provide, but we do this with the desire to keep Pokemon going for a very long time, and I believe that the fans and players are aligned with us in that respect. And I think he's right. You know, the company and customers want Pokemon to continue. Of course they do. It's a, it's a fun, fun game that can be enjoyed by all generations. 
But in terms of what the fans want, again, this is why we'll never have the perfect Pokemon game because what one person wants is very different than what another person wants and what one subsection of the community wants you know there'll be a subsection of the community on youtube that i know if you asked they would go i want a really challenging hardcore nuzlocke and there's for every one of them there's probably half a dozen of others just going no no i I, I don't want that i just want to be able to collect my little pocket monsters and enjoy a little fun romp through a new region but i think this article, like, I, I, you know, it, I, I get that as a CEO, it's about managing the reputation of the brand. That's ultimately what your your job comes down to. It is about, okay, I need to make the company look good. Well, like, hold your hands up and go, this is what we're doing well. This is not what we're doing well. And this is how we're going to improve. Because again, like, they talk about here about, like, the feedback and conversations happening in the communities. The the that response came as a result of The Guardian, which is where this this interview uh, was published, going, yes, Scarlet and Violet, there were some criticisms about the game in terms of how it ran. And they don't even, they don't even mention it. Like, it's just a stock response answer to an issue that we, we all know Pokemon Scarlet and Violet had, which hasn't been fixed. And seems like it hasn't been fixed in the Indigo disc from the previews that we'll talk about later on. So, like, I don't think they can say, you know, you know, they talk about, oh, we can't always be 100% aligned. But I, I think there are certain things that customers and companies can be 100% aligned on. And that's on, you know, a bare minimum, a product that meets basic criteria that yeah. Scarlet and Violet it should, it should function out the box yeah that, yeah, you, yes, that used to be yes. the bare minimum for gaming yeah and then oh. that one time it wasn't nearly ended gaming entirely yeah and we had to yeah. bury a bunch of games out in the <laughs> desert honestly if people don't know what we're on about look up uh, it was E.T. wasn't E.T. it was E.T. E- yeah E.T. E- e- video game debacle on youtube honestly prepare to go down a rabbit hole because like gaming gaming got damaged a lot it it died it literally died and (laughs) nintendo had to sell the nes as a toy rather than a game system that's why it's called the nes the entertainment system because people were buying game console anyway not what we're talking about the point i'm making uh, no, I'm not. The point I'm going to make is 100 years is a long time. And I think about, we were talking briefly before the episode started, about other companies that have lasted, other franchises that have lasted 100 years. You're talking about things like Disney is celebrating its 100th year anniversary this year. But Disney is far more than just Mickey Mouse. Yep. And realistically, you know, Pokemon is bigger than Mickey Mouse uh, as an individual. But even Mickey has gone through a lot of changes over the year. You know, the designs have changed. He does different stuff in every single show. You know, you've got like Mickey is in the Three Musketeers and he's in Fantasia and he's Steamboat Willie. Like, it's a different iteration every single time we see him. And little kids will know him from Mickey Mouse Clubhouse. Like, I remember him from the Christmas shows when you had the whole group together and things like that. 
So it's very different. And you look at things like Superman, we were talking about. Superman's been around since, the, what, the end of the World War? So the 30s, the 40s? Yeah. Yep. So that's coming up to 100 years now. But you look at the amount of Supermans we've had over the years. Black suit Superman. So that time when Superman split into red and blue Superman. You oh, know, yeah. Forgot about has, that. Yeah. Yeah, you've had Golden Age, and then it got rebooted into the Silver Age, and then the New 52, and the DC comics are constantly rebooting because they know... It's just not sustainable to keep pumping out the same thing over and over and over again if you want to bring in new audiences and still give the old audiences something that they're, you know, something similar to what they've had before, but a new flavor of it, as I said. And I just don't think Pokemon has done that yet. It's just, they kind of have, no. but they like again. Legends is the closest, and it's a reason we keep bringing it up. Is because it's the feels like the first time we've had an actual mainline Pokemon game stretch its legs so much. Mm-hmm. You know, before and, that, you're talking about what the Mystery Dungeon series, Pokemon Coliseum. Yeah, and but, Coliseum like, really we, didn't go that far. No, a Mystery Dungeon, I. I think you have to kind of disregard, not disregard, but like it's a completely different play style compared yeah. to like Coliseum is a very similar play style, which is why I I'm surprised that it didn't sell as well as it did. But I guess the difference is though, actually, actually that's the difference. The mainline games weren't ever on the GameCube or the N64. They were always the spin-offs. Whereas Legends mm-hmm. Arceus is, is the first it's on the same console as the yeah. other games yeah yeah um which which is why i think it, it sold as well as it did it would have been really interesting to see if you know the switch never happened or we got like an, a, a true handheld and then a you know a, a typical console it would have been interesting to see how legends arcus would have sold i'd imagine not as well um but I think I think sorry the the point I was trying to arrive at is that maybe that is why you know Pokemon will last a hundred years thinking about it. maybe we do need to give Game Freak some you know uh, you know compliments for actually keeping Pokemon around for coming up to thirty years now because they kind of do what Disney's done and they've done what DC and Marvel have done of preventing the bloat so like the the reason one of the reasons we get the reboots or you know they don't continue stories for the you know 100 odd years is because they go there's there's too much backstory and back catalog to get through that okay time for a reboot because then it gives the audiences time uh, you know uh, the ability to go oh so i don't need to read the last 30 years of comics i can jump in now here okay i'm on board and Pokemon kind of does that with the generations because every generation has a new region, new champion, new characters. You know, the only thing that really carries over are the typical story beats and mechanics, which are easy enough to pick up, and the Pokemon. But even the Pokemon now are starting to, because of Dexis and, you know, new generations are becoming more and more. Now we'll select a core amount don't need to worry about the rest of them, but you can get them later on if you want them. 
So maybe that is why they've one of the reasons they've survived for this long and will continue to survive for 100 years of this is their model is no we don't do sequels and any prequels that we might do will be related and have nods but you don't need to play you know you don't need to play bdsp to enjoy or experience legends arceus there are hints and things and nods that help you to enjoy more and maybe that's what Game, Game Freak and the Pokemon Company is aiming for, of, yeah, we're never going to do true sequels or prequels because we don't need to, because our model is like a, a almost reboot every three years. Well, here's a counterpoint. The Pokemon Company might last 100 years. Do you think they'll do it with Game Freak? Oh, that okay. That is a fantastic question. I honestly, and it's a, and it's a difficult statement because I yeah. understand that Pokemon Company is owned it partially by Game Freak. But that I think that's the only reason Game Freak is still around because yeah. of that link. Honestly, if if it was a traditional, um, you know, developer publisher relationship as you have in in, in gaming, they would have jettisoned Game Freak a couple of generations ago, probably around the switch from, uh, I'd probably say they might've gotten away with let's go and they might've done sword and shield. But I think that's when it would have gone. Now nah, we're going to look at other developers, developers now. Um, do I think they'll survive? Uh, the game freak will survive. <laughs> I think they will simply because of that, like 33% ownership. But, even that can only stretch so far. And I, I think so long as Game Freak does what it does and it delivers the games on time and the games sell well and the merchandise sells well, Game Freak are safe. They, they might get, you know, they might get a boot up the bum every now and again, but I think they're safe. I think it's interesting. But- I think as the old guard pass on the mantle and i think you'll get ceos and coos and higher ups in the pokemon company who have not directly come from game freak first yeah i think there may be a shift to a case of all right we want to take this in a new direction and i could actually see there being (laughs) a big old legal battle and idea of Mm -hmm. let's buy game freak out because I, 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 I think they're holding the... F- Sucks to say, but I do think they're holding the franchise back. No, I, from, I, I agree. From, it, from its ultimate potential. Yeah, I agree. I've, I have said it before in previous episodes that, like, you know, there are certain... You know, when you think, when you think of a shooter, you think of, you know, Call of Duty. When you think of um, um, open-world exploration, you think of Minecraft. There are certain franchises where you go, oh, they are constantly innovating and changing. Um, and Pokemon, for me, should be like the RPG leader. So it shouldn't be going, oh, what are all these other companies doing in their games? Let's try and adapt that, but never as well for some reason. They should be the one leading on a lot of these. You know, They want to go open world. Okay, fantastic. But like, bring us things that haven't been seen or done in open world before. Oh, you want to bring us, you know, RPG battle mechanics? Okay, what can you bring that is new, that's innovative? Okay, you want to do monster catching? Okay, you've you pretty much nailed that. But you know, the next thing I think we all want to see is 
And again, it's something that they quote in in the article about... um, Where's the quote here? The games are really the best way to experience the settings of each Pokemon. We really try to treat them like living creatures. I'm sorry, but no. Like, flat out, you're wrong there. One of the things we were sold on in the trailers of Scarlet and Violet was that the Pokemon seem to interact with one another and interact with the world. Like... That's the like if you want to create a series known for look at all these beautiful creative created monsters that have looked the best they ever have, well the next thing is to make them feel like real life creatures. Like there's a there's like I completely I'm on board with your point that Game Freak is holding the Pokemon franchise back at this point in terms of the gaming side. And but- on, uh, go but on. in terms of design size side, they're essential. Oh yeah, agreed. Which is why I think that, like, because you know, the thirty-three percent split is, you know, one of them is the um, creatures Inc., isn't it? Mm-hmm. And like that for me is almost the in my head, and I don't know if this is is, is right. Is that if you can have the right people in place in Creatures Inc. You can jettison Game Freak because the people in Creatures Inc. are the ones that go, no, we're we're the custodians of the pocket monsters and you can go off and you can design your your world, you can design your region, you can design the characters. But when it comes to the Pokemon, the actual creatures, we're the custodians, we'll protect them, we'll design them um, and we'll make sure that they you know, are, you know, like they said in the article earlier on, they're the things that people remember and the things that they are really good at and they'll continue to do that. But, you know, you can you can move the game around and the pocket monsters are still <clears throat> the core. They're still there. See, the thing is, creatures is more about um, designing toys and designing cards and things like that. And oh, obviously they've, they've done the models. The actual designing of the Pokemon is very much a team at game freak has been right. always will be um because i think that's as i say a lot of their hold over this franchise and it's the bit they're good at i don't think yes. their games are perfect but i think their pokemon designs are amazing so yeah yeah as i say i think uh, yeah it's, it's a difficult one to be like you sh- you should keep designing the pokemon but you shouldn't get to make the games anymore. I, f- for me, you know, uh, uh, Pokemon turns 30 in 2026. On the current schedule, in terms of releases, we should have a new Pokemon game in 2025. Which I think I, would be a mistake. I think would be a mistake. I think, you know, it would be interesting. My ideal experiment would be Okay, you know what? We're not going to release Generation 10 in 2025. We're going to tie in with 30 years in 2026. That makes the most sense in terms of marketing, you know, brand recognition of Pokemon's 30 years celebrating Generation 10. I can already see, like, a lot of the marketing in my head of how that would work. What that also means is it gives Game Freak an, an, an extra year development that they do not get. Mm. Give them that extra year and see just see what they can come out with and we'll know if you know i i think that that year will prove one of two things either 
The issue is with Game Freak not having the skills in-house and they get an extra year and release a game that's similar to Scarlet and Violet. Or they get the extra year, the quality leaps because they've had an extra year and we suddenly realize, oh, it's not that the staff don't have the skills or the knowledge or the passion. It's actually the time constraints that are causing the issues. See, now my fear is that even if they delay Gen 10 till 2026, all that means is they will release another game in between. Oh, yeah, more than likely, yeah. So it's not like we'll have an extra year of development time. It's we've got an extra year to pump out another game. I I think they've... Uh, I honestly think that the DLC model should be used as the buffer. Like in an ideal world, it is, okay, we don't need to release a new game every three years. We get to release one every four years because we get to have an extra, you know, a, you know, two years of DLC to support a game. And then in those years of releasing the DLC, you get to introduce some new Pokemon, but not to the quantity that you have to for a mainline game. And that extra year, the extra couple of Pokemon can be used for the merchandising the you know the tcg and all that kind of stuff it provides new content for the other things that that pokemon leads the way for mm. but saying all that like you know we we had the the previous um article a few a few months back now where the they spoke oh what was it they spoke about they came out and spoke about um oh, i had it remember my brain's gone don't know if you can uh, the way they were it. talking about um how they've heard people saying that you know not enough time is spent and they were like oh yeah we we we're having discussions we're having discussions about spending more time mm, that was it and i think my where i was going with that was that like it, it feels like and maybe i'm wrong it, it, it's either one of two things either they're coming out and doing damage control because, oh, okay, you know, people are criticizing this fairly. Or, oh, actually, we've hit a tipping point. We've kind of, we've crunched, we've pushed, we've minimized, we've done all these different things, and people still aren't happy. Like, our baseline isn't, like, the profits aren't really affected. But now we're not start, now now we're starting to turn some of our customers off. And it's, what are we going to do to to remedy that? And they never fixed, or you know, the issues with Scarlet and Violet. They they got completely unresolved because, of course, they didn't need to because they'd sold you know twenty odd million by this point. But there are certain people, and you know, there's certain communities that I'm in where there are people saying, "I'm I'm I'm checked out. I'm done. I'm not buying the DLC." I know that's only a tiny amount. It's not even 1% of 1%. It's it's nothing. But if they want to be around in 100 years, which is ultimately, you know, where they want to be, at some point, they're going to have to review, evaluate, and be honest with themselves. And I was hoping this article would be where that was, and it's not. And the thing is, as well, bringing it back to things like Disney, things like Marvel and DC and stuff, they all hit their low points. Yeah. Like, really badly. I mean, you talk about, you know, the, the time before the Disney Renaissance. It's called the Renaissance because Disney nearly died right before it. 
the reason Marvel exists in the way it does now, and there's the whole thing with Sony and Marvel and Spider-Man, is because Marvel was so poor in the 90s, they had to sell everything. I, yes. You know, DC has nearly died a couple of times over the years. It's really hard to keep something going, keep people interested for that long. So what do you do when Pokemon hits its dip? When is that going to happen? When is the bubble going to burst for Pokemon? Is it going to be Gen 10? If they don't pull out all the stops, I think it might be. I think uh, no, Gen I 10 holds with it a certain level of expectation because people are going, well, that's the 10th generation. It's something in our human brains that loves patterns going, well, this yep. must be good then. And if it's not, you're going to struggle to keep people invested. Yeah, and the, the, it's funny that you say that because the reason why we associate 10 is because so many companies and products, when they hit that 10, it's like, it's a milestone. We made it. Like, you look at Marvel Studios, like the film franchise, like when they hit 10 years of films, they mm. changed the logo. So all the logos coming in, that, you know, the I and the O changed to a 10. And we talk about reinventing, like Marvel themselves, the, the you know, part of Disney now are having to take a look at phase five of the Marvel Cinematic Universe because it's not hitting the highs that they fought and there's a lot of criticisms, valid criticisms about the franchise. And you look at DC and the same thing with their movie franchise of there's a reason why they're now trying to take a step back and bring in a new da- a new lead to kind of go, oh, okay, we need to review this. And it's the same with Star Wars, actually, that Dave Filoni has, has recently been appointed, um, I think, creative director or something along those lines. And it's typically a company gets too big for their own boots. They go, we're invincible. Look at us. We we have hit these highs. And, you know, it's it's capitalism. They have to keep going up that, you know, that slope to keep making money. And Pokemon is no different than that of, yeah, we just need to keep making money. But they get to a point where customers go, oh, no, I, I want to spend my money, but I've got a value. I know where my value is. And you're not meeting the levels that I expect. And I think you are absolutely right to kind of bring this back to the 10-year... 10th anniversary that Pokemon turning 30 generation 10 for some people will be a I'm I'm coming back to this franchise and the flip side you have people going this isn't what I wanted, it's not what I remembered, it's not what I expected, I'm checking out of this franchise like, and the other thing I, you've got to worry about as well, if you're bringing it to Marvel, Endgame was a good point for a lot of people to go, I'm done. Yeah. Oh, that wrapped up enough for me. I'm I'm good now. Which is not what you want if you want to have a series last into perpetuity. It's why, you know, TV series will always like kind of wrap up at the end of a season, but leave something to come back yeah. to because most TV shows actually don't know by the time they're finished writing and filming, whether they're getting another season or not. Yeah. So they have to do it that way. And I think realistically, that's the way Gen 10 will be, is a case of, ah, here's a culmination of everything that's come before it, but maybe worth room to go somewhere next. Mm. Honestly, I am... I cannot wait. Like, we're, we're in 2020, we're end of 2023. 
So we have got a few years. I I would love to think we're still doing this podcast then and we can have a like, you know, we can just break down that 30, you know, 30 year anniversary, generation 10, just to see what happens. Because but we can only do that with your help from home. So be sure to subscribe <laughs> and hit a five star rating and share us with your friends. Do it all. Da, 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 da. Hey, <laughs> tell your friends, tell your family, please do. Let's move on to the Indigo disc, yeah? Yes, something and we can be a little bit more positive about for once. Yeah, so um, a number of influential people in the Pokemon community got invited to New York to play uh, the Indigo disc for, it was an hour, I think I saw yes. somewhere. Um, uh, I've got two of the names. So Sarah B. Joe, Rosemary Kelly, I think is her is her name. Um, so they are two of the people, but there was a third video that I saw and there was a, uh, there's, vi- a there's a bunch of people. Yeah. Yeah. There's a number of people that got invited out to to play this. Um, and there were a, key, a couple of key things, key bits of information. I think, you know, there are, there are no, I wouldn't. Depends on what you class as spoilers. I watched the videos and there wasn't anything in here that I classed as spoilers. There was no talking about Pokemon that are returning outside of what I think we'd already seen in trailers. There was... I, can see oh, I can't remember I, exactly no. what we've seen in trailers. Um, I'm not sure if we'd seen all of the Alolan forms that were coming back. Oh, no, no, you're, you are right there. Yeah, there's some Alolan forms coming back, which I think most people would probably... Yes, I'd imagine, but there's I don't de- know. Don't know. There's definitely no story spoilers. No, here. distinctly no story. Um, the the main spoilers. So I'll I'll tell you what the main spoilers are now, but not go into detail. So we we found out a little bit more about some of the Pokemon that are coming back. A little bit about what there is to do in this piece of DLC. A little bit of information about the battles and the levels. Um. And a little bit about the music. That is about mm-hmm. it. So there isn't really, you know, if you if you're on the fence, I, I don't think there's anything here that you're going to kick off about if if we tell you. With that being said, you've had your warning. Um, so consider this. Yeah, we're going in on what these videos told us. Now, what was the thing that surprised you the most about these previews? Have you got something? Because I double have. battles. Yes, it is one hundred percent double battles within Blueberry Academy, which is that's fan- great. Yes, absolutely fantastic. Because we've been talking about how do you mix up Pokemon, make it more challenging, and you know the sing- single battle experience. While I enjoy it, the problem with single battles are if you are over leveled, you have a diverse Pokemon or diverse team, it will just run through pretty much everything. Especially because you know everything is in in. Um, whatever the opposite of set mode is. I can't remember what the opposite is. Switch. Switch mode. Um, so you can, you know, you just keep swapping and switching. But double battles and the fact that multiple people that have played this have all said double battles with trainers that have Pokemon that are set up in such a way that you actually can't brute force it, whether or not that's, uh, you know, the examples they gave are, there was a battle where um, it was double Intimidate. Um, there was a, a battle where a Mon had a Toxic Orb with the Toxic Boost ability. Um, even at level 80, 
some of the battles were really tough because the battles uh, got compared to the um, the ogre fights in the teal mask, which were one of the highlights for me because the mm. trainers weren't your typical, I'm going to use four or five steel Pokemon. It was, now I've got a team that's built around Sunny Day and the challenges that came with that. Like, I am so excited for what potentially on paper could be the most difficult Pokemon battle challenge we've had ever. The the highlights that I saw referred to it as the new battle resort. Yeah. Which is yeah. a, a hell of a thing to say because we haven't had a challenge like that in Pokemon for so long. And if you're talking about double battles with competitive Pokemon, competitive movesets, competitive abilities, and competitive items... Oh, that's probably more than a lot of people are prepared for. And we're basically looking at VGC training. <laughs> yeah, we, we <laughs> which are. Is, which is so cool. Like, yes, yes. It's absolutely fantastic. Like, and, and when they started talking about this in the videos, I was so happy because I have, I have played some double battles. I have been on Pokemon Showdown only this week doing some of the double battles because double battles just, like, single battles have challenge they have tactics and you know uh you know rng and all that kind of stuff double battles just like blows it to the 10th extreme i think i saw wolfie explain it that as soon as you add a second pokemon in there you've got two pokemon with four different moves and four different pokemon that you could switch to as opposed to one pokemon with four different moves and five different pokemon you could switch to the actual decision-making process that you can make between your Pokemon, what you think the opponent's going to do, is exponentially higher than anything you can do in single well, it, battles. It, it gets even bigger than that because you've then got four Pokemon on the field that can terrestrialize. You've got four different items mm. and what items they could be. The abilities, the potential to go, ah, oh, they've got an electric type, I'm going to use an Earth-type attack, a ground-type attack. But then... They could go, oh, well, I'm I, I'm aware of that, so I'm going to swap into two flying type Pokemon. There is so much, just so much that goes on in double battles. That I, like, I actually wouldn't be... I'm actually really glad they've moved to double battles, and it's something that I, I think would like to see in the mainland games of, you know, a region that is just predominantly double battles. Or there's a there's the option to play double battles, and you know there are some ROM hacks out there that are basically, oh, you want to play this game? Do you want to play single or double battle? You can do it, um, and I would love to see more of that because we we've you know Sun and uh, not Sun and Moon, Scarlet and Violet, outside of the gym battle against Rhyme, I don't think there were that many double battles. No, you had the right hand battle, and then in Scarlet and Violet, you, oh, sorry. Scarlet and Violet, you had Rhyme. Sorry, rhyme. I went to Sword and Shield and Rhyme. Yeah, it's all right. Yeah, but... but I was like, you've, a... you've pronounced that weirdly. No, Rhyme, yes. <laughs> like, yes, yes. But like... Outside yeah, of that, like, there's nothing. No. Like, even the Elite Four is double battles. And one of the things that they said was um, the, the trainers that were invited out, when they went to battle the Elite Four, they had to be given a separate team because the Elite Four's levels are so high and i saw level 88 which well no 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 no. so that's not the level of the uh elite four so from what i gathered they were saying most of the pokemon of normal uh 
Blueberry Academy students are like level 60, but you'll want level 80 Pokemon to compete with them. Whoa, okay. Wow. And once you get to the Elite Four, you're going to want level 88 and you're still probably going to struggle. <laughs> that, that's, again, <laughs> that's this amazing. is purely what they've said, but that's kind of mental, isn't it? That is absolutely... That I'm, I'm so happy with that. As somebody that in the teal mask pretty much just flew through it with the exception of those ogre uh, clan members where, you know, I still beat them without difficulty, but it wasn't a, you know, just a wash. It was a, oh, you know, I need to dip into the box and maybe tweak around a couple of Pokemon, but it wasn't overly difficult. This is like, this is perfect for me. As someone that has so many Pokemon that are between level 80 and 100 in the mainland game, because I've, you know, I've I've done everything. There's nothing more to do. I'm looking forward to a new challenge, which just seems to bring with it. And the great thing I'm thinking is the fact that this is, you know, you know, level 80 odd Pokemon for the Elite Four. Like, we know that after that, we're going back to. Paldea, which makes me think there's probably even higher level challenges to be had after this new Elite Four. So and there was a slight, and this is a very slight look at a leak that came from Riddler Koo. He posted a picture of Arceus and Terrapagos and asked, oh, so which one has the highest base stats? Oh, <laughs> oh. So okay. what I think we might end up getting is similar to how Eternatus had its Eternamax form. Yeah. I think we might see a third form of Terrapagos. So we got the little baby form. Yeah. And then we got its main turtle form. And I think we might see a form similar to what Heath saw in the Scarlet Violet book, oh. where it is the world turtle. And you've got to take that down, and I think you will have to have like level ninety raid style battle with it, oh. as it keeps terrasalizing into all these different types to counter whatever you're throwing out at it. Oh, I think this is... might be the hardest, the hardest DLC we've ever had. Okay, no, it will be the hardest DLC we've ever had. It might be yeah. the hardest challenge we've ever had in Pokemon. Oh, if we get that, because like I, you know, one of my favorite moments in Pokemon, we've spoken about this, is um in Sword and Shield, where, you know, it's the raid battle against, you know, Eternatus. If we get something like that, oh, I am going to be over the moon. Because, like, Sword and... Uh, Scarlet and Violet kind of had a difficulty spike right at the end of the game, where you take mm -hmm. on the Professor, because, you know, you're, you're battling a team of basically pseudo-Pokemon that you don't... Yeah, that you don't know... The typings and the moves, yeah. and it, it like, and that was for me. That was probably the highlight of Gen Nine because I do like a challenge, and Pokemon has that issue of you know it's got to be for everyone. So if you've already played and completed previous Pokemon games, you kind of breeze through it for the most part. And this is where DLC, I'm actually really happy, just has that chance to shine of. Oh, you're after something new after the after the game, post-game content. Okay, we can just ramp up the difficulty because at this point you are expected to have, have completed both the mainline game and the D and the first piece of DLC. And honestly, I'm 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 all for this. Absolutely all for it. I am a little worried. Okay. 
that, for instance, if the uh, story in Paldea is similar to what's it called, the All-Star League in Sword and Shield? Yes, yeah. I can't remember what it's called exactly. But um, if it's like that where you have to beat the main story of both DLCs and then you can go and do the Paldea stuff, if Blueberry Academy is so hard that, you know, you kind of need to be a semi-competitive player to get through it, do you just not get to finish the story of Scarlet and Violet? Do you not get the answers to those questions? I, I, I would find it very odd if they locked off Terrapagos entirely behind Blueberry Academy's Elite Four. I think they might, and this is purely speculative, I think they might be separate. I think you can do the Briar storyline with Serrano and Terrapagos and all the stuff rolled into that separately from the Elite Four. Because, again, simply because the Elite Four is more of a challenge than a story plot. And don't get me wrong, there will be story because we all know that Kieran is going to be the uh, champion. Mm-hmm. Oh, yeah. Because we, yeah. we have had it uh, explained to us that Carmine is one of the first battles you have when you reach Blueberry Academy. Yes. And she has stepped up her game massively from the Teal mm-hmm. Mask. Like, regardless when you fought her, regardless whether it was end game and she had level 60 Pokemon, she stepped up her game. And I'd love to see it. I, I'm yeah. really, I'm, I'm here for it because I wasn't that thrilled with them in the first one. I'm like, hang on, aren't you supposed to go to this like really competitive school? And this mm-hmm. is what you're throwing at me. I don't buy it. So it'd be interesting to see their teams going forward. And just uh, the whole locking people out of content because then they can't beat a part of the game. Part of me thinks that maybe you will have to beat these fights, but that's why they've not gone straight level 100 teams, is, okay, if you're struggling, you could brute force it by reaching level 100 with your team, and then you don't mm-hmm. need to worry so much about diversity and, you know, tight matchups and all that kind of stuff, because you can, you know, you know most Pokemon fights, if you over-level, it doesn't matter what the type advantage is or, lack, you know, you know type disadvantage you can just brute force it so i'm i'm unsure i i personally hope that i don't know which one i hope actually because i'm thinking about my daughter now my daughter has struggled with some of the end battles of the teal mask because like she obviously she's she's 10 years old she doesn't have the knowledge that we have um, well, I I know people our age and who just don't play Pokemon as much. Like they played it as a kid and they play it now, and they know water beats fire and fire beats grass yep. and grass beats water. But that's kind of as far as their knowledge on the system goes. And held items are just I don't know. So I like the amount of people I know who still put uh, the feathers on their Pokemon. Really? But you you well, wouldn't yeah, know, would you? Yeah, yeah. Unless you know, you you don't know. Yeah. And, it doesn't matter age, it's it's game knowledge. It is, yes. Oh, I'd be interested to know what other people want. Like, do you want it so that the story is from start to finish, you need to beat the entirety of it, which includes Elite Four, difficult battles, or whether or not you do want two separate storylines and one storyline is about the battling and rising to the top and the other side is... Oh no, the continuation of 
But then thinking about it, actually, like, if Kieran's tied in, if Kieran is the champion of Elite Four, and that story is a continuation of the teal mask, kind of, it, it feels like, oh no, if you want to see the end of the game, you need to beat the Elite Four and Kieran. I think that's what they're going with. Yeah, I don't know. I, I probably. You're probably right in that it's all rolled into one. I think part of me wants it to be separate. Yeah. Because then it feels like there's more game and maybe these stories can be a little bit more fleshed out than... True. You know, just go beat the Elite Four and then we'll give you some story bits once you're done. You know, especially in Scarlet and Violet where the idea is play it your way. So if you couldn't beat the the Champion's Path, you'd go off and fight Titans. And you can just do yeah. that, and that's fine. Yeah. So, but that being said, you didn't then get to go into Area Zero until you'd beat all three of them. So, uh, yeah. Do you... Okay, can I can I speculate a little bit more as well? Yeah. So they talk, about, yeah. they talk about uh, the biomes yeah. in, in this preview and how you've... When we've seen this, we've got the big biomes are all underwater and it's split into four places and it's all artificial but what they express a little bit more in these previews is that the sky is also artificial yes um, because they are underwater and right in the center of it you see a big dome right in the center and it's like oh nobody really knows how this works it's like oh yeah we no way no. does no one know how this no. works there yeah. is terapagos hidden right yes. in that dome up there yes. and you are siphoning its power and it is asleep and at some point it's going to wake up and cause havoc i can honestly see a storyline where kieran rises to the top to prove I'm, I'm the best i've been waiting for you you beat him again and he thinks I know there's a powerful Pokemon up there. I didn't get the last powerful Pokemon that I wanted. I'm getting that one and just throws the entirety of the Indigo Disc into chaos by un- unleashing this beast. I, I think, Ter- you know, Terrapagos is in there. Terrapagos does get out. I think Kieran is the, is the thing that causes that and sets off the finale of Generation 9 of, oh, Terrapagos is three- freed, Terrapagos has some kind of link with Area Zero in order to beat Terrapagos, potentially in its third and final form. We need to go back to Area Zero to find answers, and that ties everything together. Mm, See, I don't know if it'll be Kieran, because Briar is such an unexplored character. Mm. All we know is she is a descendant of Heath, she works at the Blueberry Academy, and she is interested in Terrapago. She's the first one mm-hmm. to give us the name. So I think that she's going to be the one to unlock it. Uh, okay. Probably mistakenly. Because we, again, we don't necessarily know that Terrapagos is the one that killed the professor. I'm 100% convinced it was. But there is still an argument that it could have been uh, Maridon or Coridon when they those two were battling with each other. Sort of Maridon, Maridon, Coridon, Coridon. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I, I'm fully convinced it's Terrapagos. So I think what I think the uh, the directors of the schools know more than's going on. Mm-hmm. Clavel and Serrano know a little bit more. I'm still convinced that the uh, 
terrestrialization project included more people than we know about, I think that it was not only the professor, but also Jacques was involved. I think Clavel was involved, mm-hmm. and I think Serrano was involved, and I think they all know about Terrapagos, and I think that when the professor died, they buried it. They 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 buried yes. the lead on it. I can see that. Yeah, Serrano took Terrapagos away, or not even necessarily took it away. I think Terrapagos has this ability to travel amongst the world in and of itself because we have seen it influence in Kitakami with the crystals and things like that and the fact that it can mm. terrestrialize over there. So I think Blueberry Academy might have been built around a location where Terrapico showed up. Like maybe mm-hmm. it has this ability to show up in certain different locations. Where Blueberry Academy is is where one of those places is. So they created this containment field and then built the academy around it. So yeah, I think Serrano is not necessarily evil, but is definitely um, as evil. It's difficult because then you've got the Paradise Protection Protocol, which is something. What is Paradise? What? what, That's the thing we still don't understand. Is what is Paradise? Is we still don't know whether the time machine is a time machine. I know the uh, imagination theory is still running strong. Uh, there's uh, there's a lot there's a lot going on and there's a lot to be answered and i really need this to Could nail you? it and i just don't think that fighting an elite four is going to push me no. down the line no I agree. <laughs> towards agree. these answers do you think potentially like when, when you think of like paradise protection protocol like when you think of paradise you think of something that um well it's exactly what it is it's, it's paradise for everyone but everyone's what everyone wants is different and from what mm. we've seen of the Indigo Disc is, you know, it's this artificial man-made thing, the structure with four different biomes split. It's been compared to the Safari Zone and the mix of different Pokemon that have been bought there. Like, could we see that the pa- this is the paradise that was, tra- that was trying to be protected because it's a, you know, we, we talk about, like, why would you build it? underwater and the only thing i can think of is you know tying in with some of what you're speculating on of now the world's going to go to pot we've created this little arc underground powered by terrapagos or you know powered by whatever we think it is and this is what we're trying to protect maybe i mean there isn't a strong link there outside of I know I'm clutching at straws here, okay, because like I, I don't see a complete link between what the professor what the AI version of the professor was protecting and how it ties in with this. But I think there's potentially something there. It feels like like we said, the story in Paldea is incomplete. There's something missing. And I'm just trying to figure out like, is what we're seeing here, the indigo disc, like, is it just no, it's just location, or does that location have meaning? And it, mm. So I'll, I know there is the connection to Atlantis, because Atlantis was all throughout mm-hmm. the game code and things like that, and people like Soul Silver Art found that very early on, and I mean, Blueberry Academy is very much Atlantis-like. It's futuristic technology underwater. Yeah. Will it succumb to its own hubris, much like Atlantis, and sink because of it? 
is that what we're saying? Like maybe Serrano is not necessarily evil, but his hubris is going to be the downfall of the Academy. Much in the same way as uh, Kieran is this idea of hubris brought forth is manifested. It's I want power. I want to be the best. I deserve this. Mm -hmm. Mm-hmm. I've also had um, a... Go on. Go on. No, 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 no. No, 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 no. no. You finish because I'm I'm tangenting. I'm tangenting? That's not a word. Is it not? Tangent is. I'm going on a tangent. Anyway, So there's a a few other things that I just want to, because I know we're going to go down the speculation and not have time for the other things. So I want to do the other things first, then we can speculate. So um, You know me so well. (laughs) I I do. So a few other things that were brought out is the music has elements of Generation 5, including remixed battle theme. Completely on board with that. We're in universe. Yeah, let's... Like, and it's blows my mind that this is a, a, a Gen 9 Paldean game that has DLC in another region. All on board for that. I want to see more of that. I want to go to other regions again. Um, the cubes, I absolutely hate the cubes. I, they, I, I get it. That How do you separate these biomes? And I was like, okay, they've, they've, they've got these cubes. When you see them up close, like you do in the preview videos, it's as ugly. I don't think it works. There are Basically, the equivalent of a town is is just a load of cubes. I don't like it. Um, performance issues. Scarlet and Violet. Um, there was one person that did say that it felt smoother, but it still had slowdowns and issues. So again, if you're thinking this might fix some of the issues that you had with Scarlet and Violet, I don't think it will. But you know what? Uh, you know, as we've said before. A game is more than it looks pretty and it functions perfectly. If it's got a really good story, which this has the potential to have, I I will be more inclined to overlook some of the issues. Uh, I think the if we mentioned the Elite Four can be done in any order. Nope, that's nope. that's pretty which... cool, and I'm pretty sure they're in the biomes. Um, I saw in a couple of these preview videos that they looked over a cliff and there looked to be some kind of arena. Okay. So I have this expectation that, you know, these biomes are the main area. They did say the biomes are the main area. It's bigger than Kitakami, not as big as Paldea. And yep. then there's a kind of locked off hub area, which is where you will be able to do your uh, meeting up with other people, do all your trading yep. and stuff like that, and will access the um the study hall room yes side oh yeah i forgot thing. about that because you can invite in previous people you've Gym met leaders can't and you? things. that yeah. was it completely forgot about that um so there's a few other things you can do there are the terror raid battles there's uh mass outbreaks in the world so w- what we've had in previous uh games each elite four member has a trial and we've already seen one of those trials and that is the flying uh flying the legendary pokemon through some of the rings but the preview doesn't... They don't know if that is something that gets carried over outside of the trial. So we don't know it's yet. It's very much hinted that it will be eventually. Which I um, think would be... I think fanci- it, it might be once we go back to Paldea, it's a final thing that gets unlocked. Which I would love if there was things to do extra things also, to also, do Also, also, quickly, you did, it, it just, I think that proves a little bit that Terrapagos is definitely in... Um, Oh, does it prove that it's there? 
It proves that because it's, it powers up the Pokemon. There. Yeah, because the Herba Mystica is what powers up the Pokemon. Um, obviously, it affects from... Moraidon and Coridon very differently than other Pokemon. We did see in Kitakami, obviously, the uh, loyal trio got the herbs given to them by the people of Kitakami, and they grew big from it. So yeah. we, we, we know Ooh. for some reason Herba Mystica affects normal Pokemon, quote-unquote, to how it does Paradox Pokemon. It makes mm. Paradox Pokemon more powerful. Hmm. Interesting. Sorry, carry on. As you were. No, it's fine. <laughs> so that that makes me think. Do I don't think the answer here is is yes, but could it be that each of the Elite Four trials has a different new mechanic? But I don't see what other mechanics they can have because we've already got surfing, we've already got a speed up, we've already got rock climb. I, I don't see like maybe one that allows you to crash through things, but again, there's nothing in Paldea that there wasn't any locked off areas or anything. I'm I'm struggling to see. Honestly, it might just be that that's the one they've shown because it's it's a new mechanic. It's the, it's the biggest change. Yeah, and the other three trials are very similar to what we've already had in terms I of I mean, mechanics. I can imagine one of them being more like a cook-off because we know he's a chef. Yes. I could see maybe one of them you know, introducing a kind of racing mechanic. I still, I, still, I know I keep bringing it up, but if we're going to have flying through rings, I can see them bringing back like popping balloons. You know, we, we now have yeah. popping balloons in Kami. I could see them just going, okay, we'll just, we'll make this race thing. Yeah. And then one of them will probably just be battle my minions. Yeah. Yeah. And I think the only thing for, for me is that they, they've compared it to the Safari Zone. Which I, I can I can see that comparison, and it really does. You know, this is the game that I think. Uh, sorry, this is the part that annoyed me that we don't get. Every generation only has new Pokemon, and then the Safari Zones are where you get to see the interaction between new and old. I would have loved mm. that, and like they compare it to the Safari Zone, and you've got all these mix of different Pokemon, and they talk about it in the videos, and they hype it up, but it's like. Yeah, but it kind of loses a point because we get that in every game outside of Generation 5 anyway, that you have this mix of new and old. Um, but it does raise alternative questions, though, of how do certain Pokemon evolve? So, for example, we've seen that there's Alolan Executor. We've seen that there's Elo- Alolan uh, Graveler, Golem. Um so how what does that mean for Pokemon that have split evolutions? I'm really curious as to how they're going to handle that in this game. Yeah, because it's a case of are these Alolan Pokemon imported and then you can catch them, but they still behave as if you were in Unova. So if you evolve and execute, it evolves into a normal executor. Or is it the power of the biomes the power of terrapagos is creating an alolan environment and tricking mm-hmm. the biology of these pokemon it brings me on to this idea of what i have of what terrapagos is and then it, it's a little bit of a stretch but go with me so okay. instead of like an imagination pokemon it is a prism but okay. it's like a prism for possibility. <laughs> no, that makes sense because a, pr- a prism is you shine in the light and then it comes off in the and different... And it splits it off in all these yes. different versions that it could possibly be. 
which so makes it, you, uh, because so you look at the past and the future it's like well this is your possible a possible past this is yeah. a possible future it's not necessarily the one from your timeline <laughs> Yeah, because we've got Domfan. You put Domfan in it, and it splits off into two variants, past and future. Same with Cycles R, Maridon, Garidon. I, I, there's some legs there, yeah? Sa- same as typing. Well, here's your typing. Here's all the possible typings it could be. Mm. And, and actually, then it also means that you've got a name for your uh, 19th type. It's your prism type. Which which then leads into the idea that like whatever hits it will change what comes out. So okay. that's what the terror type of Terrapagos and any Pokemon that has this nineteenth type is. It's like a variation on color change. Mm. Mm. And also probably a variation on uh Libero or Procyon. That idea of like, well, I'm putting in flamethrower, but that by hitting this typing, by hitting this prism, is going to change the type I am. Much in the same oh. way as when I get hit with something, it's going to change the type I am. So, for example, like Nuzzle or Thunder Wave can't hit ground types, but if mm-hmm. it's a prism typing, it's no longer an electric type attack. Therefore, it can hit. Ground type. I think it changes the type of the Pokemon rather than the type of the move. Oh, uh, okay, okay. But yeah, uh, it could be very fun to see, um, like defensive libero or defensive we, color. Yeah, yeah, because we had. Oh, it, it, it was. Was it color? There, there was a, a color. A, color a change. Move. Yeah, color change changes your type after you're hit with something. Yes, that's it. Whereas libero changes your type before you make the move so defensive libero would be a case of you just can't be hit by normal type moves because you just become ghost type you can't be hit by electro type moves because you just become ground type you can't be hit by ground type moves because you just become flying type you can't be hit by ghost type moves because you just become normal type which ties it sounds overpowered (laughs) it does but that ties in with the double battles when you think about it because oh okay i'm going into this trainer i know that i have two pokemon one's faster than the other i hit it with a fire type with my left pokemon so it changes to water but my slower pokemon on the right is grass or electric and then it deals mm. super effective damage where it shouldn't shouldn't have done the damage yeah and you if it, it works if it only happens like once per turn or something yeah. like that so there's there's possibilities there i think which, but yeah, I I prefer prism of possibility rather than imagination. I think imagination bit lazy. Up I think. Too, it opens it up too much. And don't get me wrong, it's not necessarily lazy because we have things like the dream world that exists. Mm. We have this idea Sorry. of dream I, I, Pokemon coming to life. Yeah, I I meant like lazy in terms of I've you know there are other. TV shows, games that deal with oh, it's it's imaginary, but prism and possibilities, I think, is innovative and really unique. Mm. Even though they basically do the same thing. Yes, but I yeah, think yeah, it's yeah. a it, it's a it's a way for again comes back to what we said about that like, game freak should be leading the way in some things. Well, this is one way of okay we take something that's out there but we're going to do our complete unit twist on it rather than just copying it i think that it it could work 
and it means as well that it explains a little bit more about all the all the past paradox pokemon being distinctly different because it's like well no that's mm-hmm. a version of a past salamance and yeah. your version of a past jigglypuff actually comes from a very different possible past mm-hmm. and it means as well that your ai professor didn't just disappear into the ether and become part of an imagination of a turtle somewhere. It is in yes. a future or a yeah. past, just not necessarily ours. Mm, yeah. And I think what I like about that as well uh, is that <clears throat> like the if it is a time machine, it feels like something that you can only really do in Scarlet and Violet. If it is more about Prisma possibilities or realities, it's something that, you know, we could see in future games, much like um, region, regional forms, is that, okay, you know, this new generation, yeah, we've got a couple of regional forms, but we've also got, like, Paradox, more Paradox Pokemon. Because, like I say, it's, it's these different split variations of future past. And again, it what i like about that is it's a way to keep pseudo pokemon without actually it's a new it's a new take on pseudo pokemon which i think the the series desperately needs anyway so i could mm. see that working and again it's an opportunity to give older pokemon new life i it's, think the time a- travel has been sorry just to finish the thought yeah. there Time travel has been explored a couple of times throughout the generations as well. I mean, the two big ones are obviously Celebi and um, Dialga. Mm-hmm. We've seen in the anime that their time travel actually works very differently. Yes. So Dialga has the ability to rewrite time. So uh, I think it's in the Arceus and the Jewel of Life. Dialga sends Ash and the crew back in time and their events, uh, sort of their actions change the outcome when they return to the present like the world shifts and changes around mm-hmm. them whereas celebi in the celebi movie is shown to be one celebi throughout time and it's a single linear timeline because all the celebis from across time converge on one point in history and help this celebi come back to life so it's a case of right celebi works on a linear timeline Dialga is he works outside of time I'm saying he, it's not he, it's they but works outside of time and can manipulate a strand of it and then I like the idea that Terrapagos is a little bit more chaos than that it's a case of all these branches before, all these branches afterwards the only thing that's fixed is where you are right now Mm. So, well, that's- so you know how people think about time. It's a case of like, oh, we only exist where we are now because of everything that's happened before us. Mm-hmm. Well, surely if possibilities are infinite and we accept that like minute, minute little changes create infinite different outcomes, surely in that infinite spectrum, there are two, three, four more different past possibilities that still lead you here. Mm. You know, yeah. just because you stepped on a bug when you went back in time three million years ago, yes, it could lead to a completely different outcome, or it could lead to the same outcome. 
Yeah, yeah. It's it just a could. You know, and and I like the idea that, you know, as I say, maybe in one possible past there is this uh, s- s- tail, scream tail, you know, this past former Jigglypuff, and it evolved and we got where we are today. Or Jigglypuff just evolved later from a different creature, or mm-hmm. it just showed up later. We we simply don't know, but that's that's kind of the theory I am working on at the moment. I like that. And I, I think for me, like, Terrapagos, at the moment, you know, we're talking about, like, what it, the potential it has feels very much like, oh, it's doing bad things. But like many of the legendaries, I see it just as a force of nature. Mm-hmm. And I hope they stick with that. And I, it's one of the things that I think Pokemon does really well. Of most of the most of the Pokemon aren't evil or good. They are literally just forces of nature. And I'm interested. And again, I think that kind of why, like thinking back to Kieran and his potential role in the Terrapago storyline of, you know, unleashing something that isn't evil. It's just. It's just a force of nature, and that force of nature could be, you know, we, we've had ones for weather, we've had ones for time and space, and I don't think we've had one for reality. Like, if you want to, like, nail it down that far, I don't think we... Arceus is, is probably the closest you can get to it, simply because it's a god, but, like, as a god, it, I'd imagine he also has time, space, weather, and all those other abilities. It just kind of hands them off to other deities, if you want to call them that. Well, Maybe they are we... aspects of the greater Arceus. Yeah. Yes. Yes. The, the Thousand Hands or whatever it's called. Yeah. Um, like, yeah, maybe, maybe Terrapagos is reality or some form of possibility, uh, possibilities or something like that, which, again, you could tie in with, like, the, you know, the unspoken rule of Pokemon that it is a multiverse. Yeah. Like, the game that you play on doesn't contradict what someone else plays on because they're both part of a multiverse going on. Maybe Terrapagos is the multiversal Pokemon. Yeah, and it, it's it's the right time for it. Multiverse is the uh, word of the day. It's the as in far thing as media the, is concerned. Yeah, like everyone loves a good multiverse. Now, I'd love to see Pokemon actually acknowledge that. I really, like, I, I actually would love that. Um, okay, uh, because of the time, what, have you got anything else you want to speculate on? Any other thoughts from uh, the, the preview? I guess one question I've got for you at the moment, are you excited for it? Okay, simply because this is actually going to offer a challenge, it's given me something to look forward to that I didn't have before. Yeah. And that's, again, coming from somebody who is up to this point being like, I only care about the story. The story needs to be good. And I still think the story needs to be good. It really, really does. It needs to be on par with the last section of Scarlet and Violet to to appease me. But I think the idea that they've gone, no, we've heard you. You want something difficult. You want something on par with the Battle Resort. That's that's pretty cool. That's, That's a pretty awesome offering. Agreed. Even if the story... Even if the story is just run-of-the-mill Pokemon and it doesn't, you know, there isn't anything new or exciting. The fact that, yes, you know, I don't have to look at ROM hacks for a challenging Pokemon experience. 
completely on board with that. Completely yeah. on board. And if this is the testing ground for potentially going, oh, the next generation, there is either a difficulty spike or there is more difficulty options, whether or not that's post-game or whatever. Again, completely on board for on, on board with that. Um, I think, like you, this has made me go from, okay, well, I'm going to play the game anyway, the DLC anyway, because I've already paid for it. This has actually made me go, I'm actually looking forward to being able to sit down and not just, okay, just mash A, mash A, um, swap Pokemon, mash A. This is, this is something where I have to sit down and actually go, oh, I can't just mash through the buttons while I watch TV and turn my brain off. I need to sit down and figure out how I'm going to get past multiple checkpoints, i.e., you know, beat each member of the Elite Four and stuff like that. Completely on board with that. Um, yeah, really looking forward to it. Yeah, I I am... What's the, what's mm. the word I'm looking for? Uh, Cautiously wait, wait, optimistic. Appreh- there you go. I was going to say apprehensively optimistic, but yes. Yes, cautiously, cautiously optimistic. Yeah, me too. I've been me burned too. before and it's still... To pull me back in every time. We've oh one two. Is it only three weeks away? Something like that. Yeah, fourteenth oh, of December. Well. Yeah, three weeks away. That is that's crazy to think about. The next time we record, we are two weeks away from the release of it. Maybe they're gonna. Now that we've had the previews, I still think they need to release a little bit more news. Agreed. I would love to see. And we, we, even though we kind of already know some of this, I would love to see a video that kind of comes out and just goes, here's everything you can do in the DLC. And it talks about, you know, oh, you can continue the story and, and see where that goes. Oh, you can, you go up for challenges and battling the Elite Four. Okay, you, you want to do some, um, I'm trying to think of the things that are in there. So like terror, more terror raid battles, more difficult terror raid battles um uh but what else would be there mass outbreaks like take us through okay if you are getting this piece piece of dlc here's all the content that is going to keep you satisfied over the christmas period and hopefully longer than that and you know if there is something similar to scarlet and violets um the uh, max ray dens if there are new you know the flying mechanic. If that leads to something, just just give us those hints so we can go. Oh, there's actually a lot to look forward to in this because at the moment it kind of feels like uh, the the two things that are carrying this DLC at the moment are it's a continuation and culmination of the story from Gen Nine, and now oh there's there's difficulty. There's actually a challenge in this. But those two things, once you've completed the DLC, don't get you coming back. So I think I mm. need something that sells me on, oh no, once you've done that, there's still stuff to do. Which, You're still waiting on Terror Raid Adventures. Which, I, I, you know what, before next week, I, I'm going to look up whether and when that was announced, if it was announced, because I'm really curious, um, and we're running out of time, because that... Yep. If that was announced pre-launch of the DLC and it's not in this, makes me think it's not in this. But yeah, who knows? But again, Game Freak are known for adding really great, innovative, fun things, and then a generation later taking them away. So maybe that's what we're getting here. We're not getting it back. Um, 
Should we do a quick plug before we wrap this up? Because I know you've got a video coming out today as of recording. No, today uh, as of yes. live. Today, as of going live, uh, I have a bit of a video that's more for me than anyone else. I made a okay. video about what the best dog Pokemon would be to have as a pet. If, if you lived in the Pokemon world, yeah. based on the uh, deck entries and what it's like to own a real world dog, like what which one would actually work and some of the stuff i found out was amazing did you know that manetric builds up electricity in its fur when it's just hot outside oh when that's it, when it's just that's not when it's that's just not fun when it, <laughs> no when it's just a dry day outside manetric just builds up electricity in its fur and will short out all your electrics so as you can imagine wow. not a great pet to have no not in the modern day when you've literally everything just runs on electricity okay wow okay looking forward to that um in terms of very quickly what i want to plug i'm coming up to the end of my series of uh, when this goes live there are only two episodes left of the pokemon infinite fusion series with british eagle where we're racing to complete the game um series is wrapped up been a load of fun please do check it out and i have more stuff coming soon that's all i can say at okay. this point uh, that is the show for this week if you've gotten this far you just top dollar aren't you uh as always before you go we'd really really appreciate it if you could leave a like if you're watching this on youtube or you know give us a five-star review in the podcast platform of your choice it's absolutely free cost you nothing except for your time um connie where can we find you you can find me on my youtube channel at captain fidget or on twitter at cat fidget and you can find me as Professor Hoenn Gaming on YouTube and Professor Hoenn on Twitter. We'll be back next Friday for another week of Pokemon Podcast. See ya! It looks like at least a month before we had Dynamax. Oh, wow. Oh, <laughs> okay. Uh. So, maybe not much hope.